Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. That's right. Uh, And that is when we bring in our good friends over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, Dr. Robert O'Dell and Dr. Steve Shaw. Uh, Welcome, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Dr. Shaw, I got to start with some bad news to start off with. (laughs) You know where I'm headed with this. Uh, We talked about it last week. Uh, UNLV, so close last night to getting their first yeah. win in a couple of years. Um, I know uh, <laughs> Damon, my producer, is a UNLV grad, uh, and he was sweating through it. It was a difficult night. Did you happen to watch the game and see how it happened, and what the heck is uh, going on with yeah, the Rebels? I, I, I watched the first half, and I think like everybody else was uh, super excited about it, and then went out to dinner with my daughters, and then a whole new story when I came back. <laughs> yes, and unfortunately that's been the case uh, far too many times this year for, for the Rebels. We're keeping our fingers crossed that, that they're going to get a win. Those kids deserve it. They're working They'll as hard it. as... They'll yeah, get it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, just a, a, a total bummer uh, of a night for, uh, for, last, for UNLV last night. All right, guys. Um, so I wanted to do a little bit something uh, differently uh, tonight. You know, we, we talk about the injuries and we go over the injuries, but I think it's important, um, you know, even though we don't necessarily have and, and NFL teams are, are guarded with the information. So when we see on, a, on an injury report, you know, that Nick Bowers has a neck injury or Derek Carr has a finger uh, injury or Max Crosby has a hip injury, that's the extent of it. Uh, that's what we get. Uh, and that's all they'll tell us. And it's typically for... Well, it's not typically for, but it's it's always because for coaches, that's a competitive, it falls in the competitive, uh, you know, uh, bin. And they don't want to give the opposing team any more information than they absolutely have to give. So, you know, if right, they if I they get exactly that. all the particulars on what those injuries are, then theoretically it can help the team. But I know from your you perspective. You to an advantage. Yes, exactly. Uh, and Dr. Shaw, you know, for, for from your perspective, Treatment is what you do. Treatment and I'm sure preventative type measures uh, as well. But without exactly knowing what the nature of, let's say, Dalen Levitt and the quad, uh, I think it's a little bit of a strain that he's dealing with. Uh, he was able to be out at practice, so it's not a tear, obviously. It's, it's just some, some sort of a strain that he's dealing with. From your perspective, what kind of treatment needs to happen almost from the moment that injury happens in order for him to be ready to go on a Sunday. If you can walk maybe uh, the listeners through some of the some of the procedures that happen in a, in a, in a strained quad. Sure. Uh, when uh, doctors refer to the term sprain, it's actually two terms. It's sprain slash strain. So it's sprain of the connective tissue and ligaments, strain of the tendons and, and muscles. And probably with a thigh injury, it is more of a strain. Um, when, when any type of a, an acute injury happens, the first thing that we try and control is inflammation. So, you know, you see uh, baseball pitchers coming off the mound uh, who might have tendonitis. The first thing that happens is a giant ice bag gets thrown on their shoulder 
until they have to go back out. It's in order to control the inflammation. And uh, the, the quad uh, inflammation would be no different. You'd want to control any inflammatory responses, and you do that with, with uh, things like ice. You do that with uh, anti-inflammatories and, and modalities like ultrasound or, or interferential currents. Uh, those are the bag of tricks that therapists use to try and control that. And once you're able to control the swelling, then, of course, you want to initiate more motion into those, into those muscles and soft tissue fibers because wh- whoever came up with that saying, you don't use it, you lose it, was a genius because it's true. So you have to initiate movement, very, and there's a methodology to doing it. So, you know, you don't go out and, and stretch at full capacity. You wanna, you'd want to start out small and then and, uh, work more of a capacity as the patient is able to tolerate it. But the, the, the main factor is controlling the swelling right from the get-go. I've got one for you, and it's, it's not football-related. It's actually baseball-related, and it's the Dodgers' Justin Turner. Um, he's going to be out for the series for a, a whole other uh, issue, a whole, whole other injury that he suffered uh, just the other night. But prior to that injury, he had to sit out a game uh, with a stinger in his neck. We've heard that term before, uh, stinger, and I'm sure all of us at one point or another have experienced that. It's the one where you can't you, – it's, it's very difficult, if not impossible – to turn your neck uh, more than a certain, you know, uh, to a certain angle, left or right. Um, a, what exactly happens when that happens? And B, what what did he need to do in order to get back on the field the game after that? Synexus. Well, yeah. Well, of course, yeah, I'll get to synexus for sure. Uh, so just to, just to be clear, so a stinger injury is sort of a, a common term used in, the, in, uh, in sports for compression of what's called the brachial plexus. The brachial plexus, not to bore everyone. It's no, a, I'm a interested because I want to avoid this. <laughs> I hate those. I was uh, trying, trying not to put people to sleep. But no, no. It, uh, basically, there are three major nerves that run uh, from your neck down into each of your arms, and they form a, a network or a plexus of nerves that travel underneath your collarbone and eventually disperse into your arm. And it, if, if damaged or injured in a certain way, that whole plexus of nerves just goes into spasm and it sends pain, numbness, and tingling down in your arm. And not only can you not use your neck, you can't use your arm. So it's um, it, it's an acute injury. Um, it, again, you'd want to control the inflammatory process. Um, you, you'd want to do modalities on it to get get that joint moving and functioning properly again. But yeah, it's a tough one. It's it's a, there's a waiting period. You got to let the inflammation to go uh, go down and and a lot of therapy. A lot of therapy. Dr. Odell, when we hear the word inflammation, uh, I know doctors understand it, you know, uh, backwards and forward. Uh, but for a listener, you know, or, or even myself, what exactly does that mean? What, what does that look like on a x-ray? Or are you able to see that on an x-ray? No, you can't see it on an x-ray. Absolutely not. Well, if you look at a neck x-ray and the neck isn't in its usual position, you can infer that there's inflammation. But Basically, inflammation is the first step in healing. And there's some thoughts now that suppressing inflammation initially may not be a good idea. Our device that we use, Synexus, goes through that inflammatory phase fast and then becomes anti-inflammatory. However, people who have acute injuries, and uh, Dr. Shaw might be able to comment on this, I'm not sure sometimes if it is good to take the NSAIDs initially. Um, because the body has a way of healing, and that inflammatory phase is the first phase before the remodeling and reconstruction. So, you know, again, it's, it's, 
it's a kind of a, a double-edged sword. You may want a little bit of inflammation so that it heals properly. For example, platelet-rich plasma, PRP, your listeners have probably heard about. They cannot take any non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. We make inflammation by putting the PRP in, and it hurts. It hurts. And what happens is the body sets up that inflammatory process, then tightens up the ligament or the, or the tendon or, or whatever structure you're putting it in. So it's a, it's a very fine, uh, fine line between when do you want the inflammation and when don't you. Steve, do you have any? Well, here's here before well, be, Doctor Shaw, real quick um, before sure. before you jump in, what the question that I would have, um, you know, for 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 people like ourselves, uh, myself included, you know, it's I, I can I can I can that timeline that the doctor that Doctor Odell just played out, where you know, have patience, let the inflammation do its thing, and it helps the long range, um, you know. Yes. Remodeling. Right, exactly. But sometimes in the in a sports sense, guys don't have that necessary necessarily have that time. They need to get back out on the field. So is there something to that, that you can do and maybe it is that double edged sword that Dr. Odell was just mentioning, but to expedite the process. Yeah, I think at the uh, level, the professional later uh, level, a lot of guys are using the, the, the cryotherapy or the chambers to speed up that process. Um, but just from in a typical therapy regimen, though, we, we still use modalities like ice, like like electrical stim, like ultrasound. All of those speed up um, draining out the the swelling or extinguishing the swelling from the area. There, there Doc is right. There is um, some advantage to having the swelling uh, it happen immediately to initiate the healing process. But ultimately, it's going to lead to scar tissue and you and, and a lot of achiness and. Uh, and um, aggravated athletes. So you want to you want to get it out as soon as you can and induce motion into those joints that aren't working anymore. And I, Vinny, I think if we knew where to stop the inflammation and start the healing, how to interfere with that, we could win a Nobel Prize. Right? Don't you agree, Steve? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, that that's part of the challenge in, in being being a, a physician, especially that treats acute uh, injuries, is locating the problem. And as soon as you like any, like any disease process, if, if, you, if you identify it early and you attempt to correct it early, then you have a better chance of, of uh, having success. And so when I see people, they're, they're you know, usually many months from that phase, so it's not an issue. We're dealing with a chronic problem where the inflammation has done more damage than good, and we have to, of course, use our modalities uh, uh, and resources to deal with that. But it's nothing at all like the acute world which we're dealing with, uh, with uh, you know, athletes, professional or weekend warriors. Got it. Uh, and we're talking to Dr. Robert Odell and Dr. Stephen Schaff from uh, the Neuropathy and Pain Center here in Las Vegas. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. We all know pain uh, is part of life, but it doesn't have to be something that you have to grit your teeth and deal with all the time. There's remedies out there. There's procedures. There's advice, uh, and Dr. Odell and Dr. Shaw uh, can give it to you. So 702-257-7246. Last one uh, for you guys. Uh, John Simpson, uh, Raiders offensive lineman, uh, has a uh, elbow injury. And uh, from what I've been told, it's, it's kind of like extending the arm without, you know, there's, there's a lot of pain uh, in terms of the, uh, extending the arm. Now, as an offensive lineman, you're using your arms to fend off uh, another player that wants to go get your quarterback or your running back and make life difficult for them. 
so obviously, as as you can see, that would be problematic for an offensive lineman. But when it comes to something along the lines of an elbow, Dr. Shaw, uh, what are we talking about in terms of therapy there? Well, again, uh, you know, this, this we're talking about joints. Uh, joints have cartilage. Joints have ligaments. Joints have tendons. So as we were talking about earlier, in regard to the elbow, it's, it's, all, it's almost essential to figure out which of those components have been damaged. Right. Um, if, it's, if it's the cartilage, then there's, uh, there's, there's one approach. If it's the tendon, it's, it's another. But in, because he's an offensive lineman, obviously, it's like having a, a boxer walk into the ring with one arm tied behind his back. It's just it's not going to be a fair fight. Uh, these guys need both of their arms to essentially bench press the defensive lineman away from the quarterback or from the hole that the play is going in. Also, so, also they need to hold them without being caught, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. He might have to do that a little bit more uh, on, on Sunday. Okay. Uh, but that all, all that said, are there is there is there a relief that a, for an injury like that where you know there's probably no getting around the fact that it's just going to be it's going to hurt. There's going to be pain involved. Um, How about a brace, uh, Dr. Shaw? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, in the interim, braces are good to prevent any hyperextension or hyperflexion or overmobilizing something that's been injured. Um, if you can keep the elbow within its normal limits of range of motion and uh, there's uh, good strength testing and reflexes, uh, he could probably still use it in some capacity. Um, I, I'm not a fan of braces, personally. I think they take away from the body's ability to heal itself. And that old saying, you don't use it, you lose it, is true because the muscles and soft tissue components will atrophy if, if they're not, if, if you don't induce kinesiology or movement into the joint. So I, I, braces are good for the short term, but eventually you want to rebuild the strength in that, in that elbow uh, and range of motion to the best of your ability. Well, knowing John, I know that he's going to uh, give it a go on Sunday. I'll definitely be keeping uh, an eye on him. Uh, again, uh, give the doctors a call, 702-257-7246 over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center here in Las Vegas. They've got answers. They've got help. They've got uh, procedures, advice, all of those good things uh, to we help you. We have a lot you. of laughs, too, over here in my clinic. What's that? We have a lot of laughs, too. There you go. And that's always a great remedy. There is the remedy. best medicine, Vinny. No really question is. about it. No question about it. Uh, Dr. Odell, Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for spending some time with us today in the huddle. We will check back in with you guys next week. Have a great weekend, guys. Go Raiders. Go Rebels. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Dr. Robert O'Dell and Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center here in Las Vegas. They join us each week to talk about injuries. And uh, like I said, if you're dealing with pain yourself, don't be John Wayne and try to grit your teeth and get through it. Give them a call, 702-257-7246, and get the help that you deserve. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Uh, on a Friday before we uh, get to the break, just want to remind you, Saturday, tomorrow, 5 p.m. over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill. We'll be back at it. It's the go-to spot the day before home games over at Allegiant Stadium. Myself, Q Myers, Damon Cotton will be out there. Some of my colleagues from Vegas Nation. Some of my uh, our other colleagues over at Raider Nation Radio. Uh, great drinks, great food, a great chance for all of us to meet each other, hang out, talk Raider football, talk NFL football. USC Notre Dame is going to be on the TV. I'll make sure of that. You can bet. You're, that Vinny's going to take care of that. Uh, but, but come join us tomorrow starting at 5 o'clock over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill 
right on Las Vegas Boulevard, right across the street from uh, Town Center uh, here in Las Vegas. We'll check you out then, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. So, Damon, you got me? I got you. What happened last night? Referring to UNLV. <laughs> what else am I talking about? I got to paint a picture here. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to sleep last night because that game started late. And uh, last I had heard, they were in good shape. UNLV, UNLV is in good shape. And so I text Damon, a proud graduate of UNLV, and I'm like, are you at the game? And I think the response was, um, the, the, you know, uh, the gist of it was, yes, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> and I knew that, all right, it was getting dicey. So I was like, I got gotcha. you. Um, you know, I, I totally, I've been there. And then the next thing I know, I, you know, I'll go online and I see how it all ended. Um, what the heck happened, Damon? Coach Arroyo played a little too conservative. You know, um, it's, I'll say that he played too conservative, just the play calling. To end the first half, they're up. 17 to 6 and he's like oh man they got they got a double digit lead going in half this is this could be good three straight runs charles williams the super senior running back fumbles the ball and obviously you can always say if when when the players make a mistake right just don't fumble the ball but it's like he runs out of bounds with like 19 seconds left it's just just this is going to halftime all right like he's not go- like are you expecting him to break off like you call three running plays in a row are you expecting him to break off of a huge 80 yard gainer why did if, you, if you're yeah. not gonna, if you're not gonna chuck it if you're not gonna chuck it down the field and like and maybe the because uh, you're trying because i know what you're thinking there you're like oh we're not we're gonna give it off to our secure running back right we're not gonna turn the ball over well he turned the ball over i would rather you throw the but you would you let the quarterback air it out 50 yards and then like Throw an interception that way rather than just turn it like all oh, three hands off up the middle and then you just turn the ball over right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, to end the half, if that, like just take the knee then and go in the half. All right. Here's the other question I have. Uh, so, um, Adam Hill, who is there, uh, our, our great friend over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, told me, he goes, I've never seen this before. The, the UNLV gets the ball down seven with seven minutes and 14 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And held the ball the entire time and didn't score. How does that even happen, Damon? They were playing the game as if the clock wasn't against them. Okay. That's but, I mean, you know, seven minutes is a lot of time. So uh, Yes, but they were moving at a glacier pace. They were moving I, the I, ball I, down I, the field. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's like, oh, making a, a completion here, a first down there. But there was no sense of urgency like, oh, we need to score this to get back in the game. They were playing. They, they were moving the ball along that drive as if, like, ah, man, we, we'll, we'll pick back up next quarter. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I've never seen a team hold on to the ball for seven minutes and not score, especially in that situation. And from the sounds of it, by the way you're describing it, there was really no sense of urgency. Um, yeah, just, that, that last play of the game, like throwing throwing it across the middle, a completion that wasn't a first down, and it's just well, the game's over now. Congrats on your completion. Yeah, did the quarterback get hurt? I think on that play. Um, I don't remember him getting hurt. Uh, maybe on that on that last sack that he ate. Maybe he. Oh didn't. yeah, no, there was a sack. Yes, I the heard. La- well, you know, I'm not gonna uh, to be honest. To be frank, at that point the game's over, so I didn't I didn't see if he like got up gingerly after that. <laughs> no, yeah, I heard he took a. 
Adam said it was one of the uh, most vicious hits he's ever seen uh, in his life, and you know Adam, he's seen some football. So, oh, it was I, definitely like uh, if they were if they wanted to, that could have been a targeting. But it's uh, the last play of the game. I don't think they're trying to throw the flag on that. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, and then you had a receiver who was who was who was limping back to the hut. Like it's it's it, you know the game's yeah. over, and he should have maybe the clock would have ran down anyway, and they wouldn't have given them the injury timeout. Right, but I would have rather just laid on the field and tried to get the injury timeout than to be the guy that's five seconds late back in the huddle, even though the game's over. Yeah, and you know what? Though, if that is a roughing the passer or um, you know uh, ta- or uh, targeting or whatever the uh, rule might have been on that quarterback, that's why they have that rule where where a game can't end or a quarter or a half can't ha- can't end on a defensive penalty. If it was a legit penalty. You know, you got to call that as a referee, especially in that situation when it's just a seven-point game and they're that close. But uh, all right, well, I don't even know who the who who uh, Vegas plays uh, in the next game. But it's I, the big it's the big rivalry, U and R. Ah, okay. It's the school up north, and they're playing the school up north, and they're playing it up there. It's up in Reno. Yes, they are going up to Reno for, right. for the cannon. There, well, there you go. I have a feeling we know. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe they could pull the upset. But um, my condolences. Uh, see how sports works, though, Damon. Uh, one day you're flying high with your Tennessee Titans uh, beating the Buffalo Bills, and then, what, four days later it's back to the uh, reality uh, with UNLV losing a game they should have won, it sounds like, uh, uh, to San Jose State. Yeah, it was funny. I shared this story with Q as well. But I was talking with some students that write for the Scarlet Gray, the uh, school newspaper. Oh, I love the name of that paper. That's and, cool. And after the game, uh, I, saw, I saw Paul Gutierrez walking out. I'm like, hey, Paul. <laughs> and then I, and I introduced the students to him. I'm like, hey, this is like somebody, because like, they're writers. I'm like, hey, this is a guy that you guys should look up to. This is Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. And, and then everybody starts talking about the last time they saw UNLV win a game live. Because Paul, was, he said that was his first game um, since, you know, that's his first game he's been to live in a while. He was like, he hasn't seen UNLV win a game since 94. Another guy says, I haven't seen UNLV win a game since I was in middle school. Oh, and it's just. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can. Like, uh, they spend... have won games in between then, of course. But Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. But Live. Where you were there. Like, yes. Yeah, like, it seems like none of us had ever been there. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> so does this coach survive? What's the deal? He's got uh, three years left on his deal. Uh, we got to see if if the new if a new AD is hired. If a new That's AD true. is hired and he wants to bring in his own guy, possibly. But I think he's got like at least a good three or four years guaranteed left on that contract. Well, but, yeah, that's that's definitely how that always works. So, um, but he's bringing in new recruits, and I know people say, uh, you know, you can't win with just new recruiting classes. But he is bringing in some recruits. Got a new receiver earlier this week. Yeah, I saw that. He, yeah, he decommitted from Baylor. He had offers from Baylor and Oregon were on his list. Ole Miss and what, he's committed did, to UNLV. Did Q have a little something to do with that Baylor kid decommitting? <laughs> hmm. So I'm just connecting some dots here. Q is over uh, in in Waco. Now he's in Las Vegas, covering Baylor out there. Now Ve- hmm. getting some recruits to follow him out to the to hey, the whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. I'm you know since I moved to Las Vegas, uh, I decided look, I'm going to be a fan of UNLV football and every game that's that I can watch. Like I didn't realize uh, until I, I tried to put the game on last night that I don't have CBS Sports Network. Uh, on my direct TV, so I'm going to have to get that changed. Uh, but every time that I've tuned in, it's just been bad news. So 
But look, if he's getting recruits right now, and if it's if it's not you know if it's legit, like like you're starting to see like whoa, that's a player that didn't get in the last couple of years. If he is starting to build some sort of a recruiting um, success base, maybe you know give him a little bit of time so he could re- re- you know reap the rewards of the recruiting effort because that's really what it all comes down to. Um, and there was a reason why he got the job in the first place, right? They probably weren't recruiting that well, and they certainly weren't winning. So uh, maybe- no, no, no. Tony Sanchez was railroaded. He got an unfair shake. It was right. one of those. Oh man, he's going five and seven. He's going four and eight. I would kill for a four and eight season right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, this guy was the offensive coordinator at Oregon. He oh Justin Herbert. Well, Justin Herbert's doing a lot better in the pros than he did at Oregon. That's true. He, I think sometimes that these coordinators at these jobs. Yeah, but the they didn't they fight. They they fired the coach first before they settled. They had they had interviewed other people, right? Or did they? Or they'd fire yeah, they, him yeah. to go get him. No, but you, yeah, you fire the high school coach because oh, this guy he never had a he never had a a D one coaching job before. He was a high school coach before we hired him. Yeah. Well, so you think you can do better? Right. And sometimes you can't do better. How long was that coach there though? Uh, Tony Sanchez. Well, I think he got a he had a fair shake of about four seasons. All right. Yeah. Well. You know. Uh, but he won some games. They did, but he would have. He would have. You know, he would have. If he had his hands on Tate Martell, the high school quarterback <laughs> that he had when he was when they were both at Gorman, the sky would be the limit right now. All right. Well, uh, it's it seems to me just looking at it that the bear, that the uh, cupboard was was uh, bare because I don't see much talent. I didn't see much talent last year. Uh, there's there there seems to be a little bit of an uptick uh, this year with some of the guys. So. Um, you know, if, if he's putting together some recruiting classes, let's just see. But uh, it's, it's been an awful start, uh, no question about it. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. West Texas Raider is on the line. How you doing, West Texas? Hey, doing well. How about yourself, Eddie? I'm doing good, thank you. Hey, uh, just an update for you. DeMond is not a proud grad anymore. He is a respected alumni. Oh, I like that. Thank you for pointing that out, and you're absolutely right, 1,000%. Yes. Anyway. You're getting old, uh, Damon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, to me, the key to the game on – oh, let me backtrack just a bit. All right. Uh, my wife and I are flying in tomorrow from West Texas. Okay. We will be at the game on Sunday, and uh, we will be rooting loud for the Raiders. Uh, all right, West Texas, you're flying in tomorrow. What time do you get in? Uh, I think it's uh, about 11 o'clock in the morning. It's a direct shot from here. All right. So and, you're, are uh, you going to be at the Rockstar Bar and Grill tomorrow at 5 o'clock? Oh, I have no idea. Okay, well, listen up. Uh, Every home game, all right, when the Raiders play over at Allegiant Stadium, uh, we host a uh, just a get-together, and it's been really successful. A lot of Raider fans come that are, whether they live here or are visiting here, but over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill, uh, it's right on Las Vegas Boulevard. Um, uh, Just look it up. Look up at the address. Starting at 5 o'clock, we've got live music, uh, great food, great drinks, and myself, 
Q Myers, Damon Cotton will be there, uh, a lot of my colleagues from the Vegas Nation, uh, also other colleagues from, um, from, from Raider Nation Radio. But we all get together on the, the night before uh, the next home game, and that'll be tomorrow at 5 o'clock, and we invite everybody. So we want to see you, West Texas. i got to meet you, man. All right, fantastic. I'll see if I, we can make it over there. All right, trust me, you'll Maybe. be in good hands because Raider fan, it's Raider fans galore. Hey, fantastic. Hey, but uh, to me, the key to the game is four quarters. Yes. You got to start fast. Yes. Keep the foot on the pedal <laughs> for four quarters, 60 minutes. What they got to do is do what they did on Sunday. If they can play that kind yep. of a game from beginning to end, they're gonna, they should be fine. Um, this is a beatable team. They're the better team than the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the problem that they've had, the Raiders, uh, too often this year, were, was not playing four quarters like West Texas just pointed out. Uh, they played enough good football to win four games, but a couple of those, three of them at least, were – they made it harder than it should have been because they didn't get off to good enough starts. So uh, yeah. it, it, it looks like they figured that out at least for one week how to uh, you know start the gear start the game in, in fifth gear rather than you know uh, reverse. So we'll see if that carries over to the Eagles game on Sunday. But I got to think that if they do, um, this is a game West Texas that the that the Raiders should win. They'll get to five and two uh, as they hit the break uh, and they'll be uh, in pretty good shape moving forward because. Uh, sounds like there's some guys, some players that are that are that could be back uh, after the bye week, coming off the injury reserve list. So we'll check it out. Yeah. West Texas Raider, oh, do you have another question? Absolutely, absolutely. It, it things are looking up. Been with this team a long time, and uh, I could say I'm seeing improvement. Yep, I agree. I think that they uh, are headed in the right direction. West Texas Raider, thanks for the call. Please come by uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill tomorrow at 5 o'clock uh, and hang out with uh, some of uh, your, your good Raider friends and some new friends that you're going to meet. So uh, you're more than right. welcome. And bring some friends. Fantastic. All right. We'll see you there. All Safe right. travels. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line. J.R. in Philly wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing? What up, Vinny? What up, DeMond? How's it going, fellas? Doing good. Doing, doing good. Oh, man. The way I see it. Uh, listen, first and foremost. Let me get this out of the way right now. All right. I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Lived here all my life. I've been a Raiders fan since I was 10 years old. Okay. There's only one team that I despise more than the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> you don't understand it because you don't live out here, but if you live out here and you're not an Eagles fan, it is miserable. This is my Super Bowl. <laughs> this is my Super Bowl, Vinny. You don't understand. I want to beat this team so bad because I got so many Eagles fans around me, whether they're coworkers or friends, and this game comes down to one thing to me, because I, being that I live here and I'm tapped into this market, I understand the team a lot more. It comes down to our three interior guys, Leatherwood, Andre James, and whoever they're going to play at, at left tackle, or left guard, rather, they're going to have to control Hargraves and Cox. Okay. If they can control Hargraves and Cox, we got this thing. If Hargraves and Cox beat up the interior of that line, which has been the weakest point of our line, we're going to be in for a long day. And that's what it comes down to to me. As far as everything else, I mean, 
I've been listening to uh, uh, Philadelphia Sports Radio more than usual, and they've been largely dismissive of us, and I don't like that, which is another reason why I want to win. And I won't even be happy with a one-score win. I want to embarrass them because of how dismissive they've been of our Raiders. They talk about Derek Carr as if he's this Jekyll and Hyde quarterback, this, you know, bottom 20 quarterback. Now, granted, Ben Simmons has been dominating the headlines. And I'm going to tell you, Vinny, between Ben Simmons and and John Gruden, I may need some uh, therapy myself. (laughs) However, however, when they do talk about the Raiders, they've been very dismissive. And it's all, I take it as disrespect. And, and, and I just, I need a two score victory. That's what I need to be happy. So, how, how like, uh, on, on a scale of one to 10, um, on Monday, if the Raiders win, how much, um, how much are you going to be talking? What level of talk are we talking about when you go back to work on Monday and, and, uh, and hit up your Eagle fan friends? Well, me personally, okay, so I got four of my very close friends who started their own podcast. Okay. And I call in a lot just to support them. Yeah, yeah. If the Eagles win, oh, man, they might not even want to take my call. I mean, <laughs> uh, if, the Raiders, if the Raiders win. If right, the Raiders right. Win. However, I, like I said, like I said, I'm not going to be happy with, you know, how they beat the Ravens or how they beat the, the, um, the Dolphins. I'm not going to be happy with that. I need a two-score. I need at least a two-score win because just squeaking by, I'm not going to really have a leg to stand on. I need, I need, the, I need the bludgeon, okay. <laughs> and I just want to say one more thing before yeah. I, I get out of here. Um, you know, I was at the Pittsburgh game with a buddy of mine who's a Steelers fan. We both flew out there for a Pittsburgh game, so I might have used my one get out of jail free pass for the year. I'm trying. Uh, yeah, we missed our flight coming back, so American Airlines owes me there a voucher go. for a flight. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can get it, get over with the wife. We got two small kids. And I'm gonna see if I can get over. I want to get out there for the the game against Washington. Ah, okay. I can't get out, can't get out there for the, the Eagles game. I got a few buddies flying out there for the Eagles game. And that's another thing they've been talking about. They want to take over the stadium because they think they do that everywhere they go. This is a very smug fan base. So I'm going to try and get out there for the Washington game. And I do want to link with all you guys if I do. But I, Denny, I need this game by more than one touchdown. All right. All right. Well. um, I think there are. I, I. I think. I think that there's a path for that to happen. Uh, I think they're the better team. Uh, I like what I saw uh, of these guys. Um, not only when we were in Denver, uh, but you know, talking to guys this week, they feel relaxed too. You know, when when you know when Josh Jacobs was talking about how the sidelines was a little bit quieter, a little bit um, more. Not as anxious, not as much cussing. Guys weren't, you know, getting screamed at. Henry Ruggs talked about it after the game on Sunday, um, and they were laughing about it. But there was some seriousness to it as well. It sounds like uh, with the coaching change, it might be a little bit more of a mellow, stable uh, sideline. And I, I firmly believe that players feed off the energy that their leaders are creating. And if 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 in anxious moments it was kind of crazy uh, over on the sidelines, that's sometimes how players are going to roll. And um, it sounds like that got under control a little bit more on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Uh, and so I, I just like where this team is mentally. I like where they're getting a little bit more healthy. Um, I feel like they found something on the offensive line. 
Uh, I, think, I feel like they found something with Kenyon Drake, a better way to use him. Uh, we see week to week now uh, the Henry Ruggs effect. This guy's quietly having a really good year. Uh, Brian Edwards did his thing. Um, I think they're still trying to figure out a way to get him more involved earlier in games. Uh, Darren Waller has just been kind of creeping about right now, um, and I keep expecting, and I have a weird feeling it's going to happen this week, that he's going to go off on somebody um, in terms of numbers because he's fully capable of doing that, and depending on how the Eagles decide to approach him defensively, uh, he could be set up for a big game. But there's just so much to like about where the Raiders are offensively, even in spite of some of the struggles that they're having uh, in the run game or um, you know, with the offensive line. There's just too many weapons, uh, and, and it's very hard for opposing defenses to keep up with that. And then I really like, we talked about it earlier this week, I'm ready to declare the Raiders' defense a good defense, right? As bad a defense as Raider Nation has had to deal with uh, for the last few years, I think it's finally time where they can finally admit and be okay with admitting and not worried about the other shoe falling. It's a pretty good defense, and I think that changes everything. It changes everything about the Raiders, and it makes them, to me, a good team, a legitimate playoff contender, and somebody that just merely needs to play to their level and capability and they're going to be in a whole bunch of football games and I think win a bunch of football games. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. We're still live at the Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. All kinds of sports. I don't know what to watch. Everything is on TV right now, and I'm loving it. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, I mean, they're a good – well, it starts all up front with those guys. I mean, their their defensive line is, is really good, really good football team. Um, linebackers, very athletic, you know, so they can get in the passing windows. Um, they can all run. They, they hit anything moving, even their own guys, you know, I'm watching on film. They're, I mean, they're just blasting guys, you know, and they, they want to play that physical brand, run and hit football. Uh, and then the secondary, not just Darius, but, you know, playing against Nelson and playing against some of the other guys, um, the, the safeties, they can run. They, they can uh, – they have range in the back end. Um, you know, they, they're very aggressive uh, when it comes to trying to get the ball out and hitting, hitting the receivers to eliminate some – they've eliminated some big plays just on their aggressiveness, you know, just punching the ball or making a big hit, things like that. Um, yeah, very impressive to watch. So we have to – for us, without obviously giving away details, like for us, we have to just play clean football. I mean, we can't, we can't go out here and let one thing lack here, one thing lack there. We have to be, you know, we have to be full go. We got to be ready to go from the jump. Because if we're not, they're going to punch us in the mouth because they, they got some really good talent on that side of the ball. Sounds like Derek Carr has been watching some film on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and I think everything that, that Derek Carr just talked about was completely uh, legit and here's the thing you don't even have to watch the film ever ever of the philadelphia eagles to understand what you're going to get like every time <laughs> from the philadelphia eagles i don't care who who their coach is i don't care who the players are, are any of that 
you're going to get a physical mentality. It's it's a it's a mindset. It's a demeanor, um, and they're going to bring it. They're going to be tough. They're going to challenge you physically. Um, they're going to be tenacious defensively, like Derek Carr just talked about it, and obviously it came across on the film. They're ball hawks. They're going to try to strip balls. They're going to try to create turnovers. Again, it's a mindset. Having said all that, and that's what you're going to get from the Philadelphia Eagles, they're going to try to punch the Raiders in the mouth multiple times, especially to start the game off. Derek Carr saw it on film. He understands that that's what uh, the, the, the Eagles' M.O. is going to be. I don't care if their quarterback is lacking. I don't care if they can't throw the ball consistently. Uh, I don't care if their running game you know, is up and down. They're going to physically try to challenge you and make you stand up to that physicality. Sounds daunting. Sounds forbidding. Scary a little bit. Here's the thing. The Raiders have already dealt with that same exact mentality at an even higher level a couple of times this year. The Raiders beat a team that lives off of that, that hangs its head on that, its hat on that. They're called the Baltimore Ravens. And guess what? The Baltimore Ravens also have a quarterback that, to me, is top four now in the NFL, maybe even top three. Um, and on certain Sundays, the best in the game with his ability to run and throw and just attack you every which way in Lamar Jackson, who I love. The Raiders already stood up to that type of a challenge. The Raiders already went to Pittsburgh, and I know Ben um, has his issues right now, and uh, I kind of felt like the Raiders were going to be able to take advantage of that. But make no mistake, Anytime you take the field against the Pittsburgh Steelers, much like the Philadelphia Eagles, you better bring your lunch pail. You better bring a willingness to fight and to fight back because they're going to punch you. They're going to be physical. They're going to challenge you to match up to that physicality. And they did. They did that against the, Phil- or against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They did that already against the Baltimore Ravens. So it's not anything that the Raiders haven't seen in terms of that mentality. Back-to-back weeks to start the season against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, then to fly out to Pittsburgh uh, on a a short week to go play the big, physical, tough, hard-nosed Pittsburgh Steelers. They took care of business both times and matched that physicality. It wasn't perfect in either game, but the Raiders had enough. They had the proper mindset. They had the proper... um, uh, physicality, demeanor, all of that, to beat two pretty good teams. And now here come the Philadelphia Eagles. We just heard what Derek Carr, uh, how Derek Carr described him, and rightfully so. They're physical. They're tough. They're going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to do all of those things. It's nothing new for the Raiders, and that's why I think that they're in pretty good shape. I think they should beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know by how much. Um, you know, you never know sometimes in those in those in any NFL game. But I think the Raiders are the better team. I think that they come in with the right mindset. I think they're a little bit battle more battle tested this year uh, than they have been in the past. Uh, they've risen to the challenge a couple of times already, including last Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Everybody thought that the Raiders were probably going to use 
what happened with John Gruden, what happened with the controversy of last week as the excuse, as the crutch, as the reason why they weren't going to be able to beat the Denver Broncos. It was going to be too tough, too mentally challenging, too mentally draining. Uh, they weren't going to be able to respond. Well, guess what? They did. The Raiders accepted the challenge and said, okay, it's been a crazy week. It's been a distressful week. It's been one of the craziest weeks in franchise history, and there's no question that this franchise has been through some crazy weeks. Yet they rose to the challenge and delivered their best performance in a while, as complete a performance as I can remember them uh, delivering, in an easy win against the Denver Broncos. Derek Carr is completely correct in every way that he just described what to expect from the Philadelphia Eagles especially on that defensive side of the ball. They're going to be tenacious. They're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to try to be physical. They're going to ask you to match up to that physicality. And if you don't, it's going to be a long day. Again, it sounds kind of intimidating by the way Derek Carr um, described it. But here's the thing. The Raiders recognize that. They understand that. And they've played teams that are as tough, if not tougher, than the Philadelphia Eagles already and teams that – clearly have better talent than the Philadelphia Eagles do uh, already. So I don't think that as much as they acknowledge what they expect to happen, I don't think they fear it. I don't think they're intimidated by it. In fact, I think they're ready to be just as tough, just as physical, just as good as the Philadelphia Eagles. And I say that because of this. I'm buying in to the Raiders' defense, all right? They are a good well-coached, talented, efficient, on-the-nose defense. And I think that changes everything about the Raiders this year. And I think they're going to be up to that challenge against the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, I want to say thanks to all of our guests this week. I want to say thanks to all of our listeners, all of our callers. It was a fun week this week, Um, all setting up for Sunday's game uh, against the Eagles. Uh, If any of you guys are, are, are out here on Saturday, tomorrow, Come join us at the Rockstar Bar and Grill starting at 5 o'clock till whenever. It's the go-to spot uh, that we get together at before Raider home games, the day before Raider home games. want to say thanks to DeMond Cotton for all his help this week. Uh, he always holds it down, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to work with him. Can't wait to see him tomorrow. Might have an embajad or tequila for him or with him. Or with him. We'll, we'll see. Uh, anyway, have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. If we see you uh, out Rockstar Bar, I can't wait for that. We'll be back at it tomorrow, or excuse me, Monday, 4 to 6 p.m. to talk about whatever happened on Sunday. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Talk to you guys tomorrow, and talk to you again on Sunday, or Monday. <laughs>